does it matter that of USC's three losses, two of them were by one point? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day, whether you are watching on YouTube or wherever you'd like to download your podcast. I always like to remind everybody we are free, and I really do appreciate your support. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, why? Do me a favor. There's that button. Hit it. Subscribe. It means a whole heck of a lot. And if you like the show, there's a like button. You can do that, too. And don't forget to hit the notification bell. That way you know every time an episode is published, which come at you five times a week. So it's kind of hard not to miss an episode. No excuse. Now, we know that Lincoln Riley took over a literally a mortar-bound program that was 4-8 in 2021. They went to 11-3 in 2022. Um, and he he essentially did that in pretty much less than a year. Remember, he was named USC's head coach end of November. I think it was like November 27th, roughly. And he took over the day-to-day operations shortly thereafter. USC still had one more game to play in Berkeley against Cal. So he was kind of just taking notes and observing at that time, um, which is something I love to do. So, uh, yeah, we're both cut from the same cloth in that regard. Um, But remember, they won 11 games last year. So there's no backsliding allowed uh, when you win 11 games, especially when you return the best player in college football. So that anticipation level, it's been set. Um, And despite uh, a more challenging schedule in 2023, well, at least the the last half of, this, of that schedule is going to be really hard. Um, there's not going to be very many who will be understanding if uh, if USC matches their loss total from last year. Fair or not, uh, Lincoln's year two in Los Angeles, they're going to demand a playoff berth, especially if Lincoln's going to point out that of their three losses last year, two of them came by one point. So um, he like he really has no one to blame <laughs> but himself uh, for those high expectations. Uh, when when you put no limitations on on how far a team can go or you know achieve, then you know essentially accept, accepting second best it's going to feel like a letdown, especially you know when you're. You follow the uh, when you're a follower of the USC football program, uh, you understand that there's peaks and valleys, and you can't win a championship every year, although that is the goal. But USC should be competing for a championship every year, um, even if they can't win it. That hasn't always been the case lately. Last year, that was the case. Now, uh, you know, Lincoln could have kind of slow rolled the team's development and, and the progress. 
uh, so that expectation level kind of ramps itself up. Um, and kind of like, you know, when Pete Carroll took over, remember in 2001, uh, that team lost more games by single digits uh, than I care to remember. But uh, you could see the team's growth. Uh, and you could tell they were getting close to believing they had no limitations. You know, they finished that regular season six and six, and they they had to win the last, I think, three games of the season to get to that six win plateau to become bowl eligible. Uh, and we know what happened from that point forward. Uh, for the next seven plus seasons, <laughs> USC was what everyone kind of sees in Alabama today, they were that team before everybody else. In fact, they were probably more dominant than everybody that you see now. Yeah, you have some great individual teams, but LSU wasn't able to um, keep that type of dynasty going. Uh, they had Joe Burrow. Same with Alabama. They, they're they always competing for a championship every year, but they with Nick Saban, they haven't had a 34-game win streak. They haven't had, you know, a, what three Heisman's in a, in a four-year period or whatever, whatever that number was at USC. They were Pete Carroll's teams were kicking ass and taking names. There's no other way to say it. So it's the off-season now, and um, and thinking outside the box with opinions is kind of who I am. It's what I do. You know, give me a call in a world and literally for me that's the greatest show on earth for me to comment about but i can't remember you know which show i was recently watching uh it was one of those you know podcast shows but lendale white and marshawn lynch uh they were on it they were two of the guests and the host wanted to know if Pete carroll was was either was he a great coach or was he a master manipulator Lendale was real quick with his answer. He's both. And it made sense because great coaches not only develop your physical abilities, however, they're also able to develop your ability to believe you can do whatever you want. Pete Carroll and Lincoln Riley are like Jedi masters. If you could convince someone they can and and they can do something, you know, anything, uh, that there's no limitations, then being called a manipulator isn't necessarily a bad thing. And if you want to put the prefix master manipulator, it's a freaking sign of respect as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'd like to think that Lincoln Riley is also a master manipulator. The other day, he was on the All Things Considered podcast with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden. And Riley was lamenting about the, you know, USC's late season losses, but said it was something the team can build on. Quote, I think my goal would be to take that experience and we grow from it and we make the improvements that I really feel like we can make. You can, you can only do so much in year one. And I think we did a lot, but there's still, I keep telling people, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're not even good yet. I think we're going to have a chance to get good here pretty quick, which is obviously going to be a lot of fun. So did you hear that? (laughs) 
you have the best player in the game, Caleb Williams. You won 11 games. You lost two of those games of your three by one point. And your head coach follows that up with that we're not even good yet. Keep manipulating Lincoln. I mean, that statement says a whole hell of a lot without mentioning anything or anyone specifically. But we know why USC lost three games. Captain Obvious doesn't need to spell it out. I mean, it's, it was there for everybody who watched USC play. So Lincoln finished up with saying, I don't want to put any limitations on what we think we can accomplish. Um, he said last year was about teaching the guys what winning looks like. Uh, when you've been down for a while, there's a psychological impact. Like a little hurdle that you have to get over. I think now we know we can win. I think it's a little more clear where the areas are. We need to take the jumps. And now we need to have a group that's laser focused on taking those jumps. So again, look, I've been called a, a master manipulator before. I used to coach high school basketball. So I get the connotation, but I also understand how it can be used as a pejorative. But you know, let's just use Merriam-Webster's definition of a manipulator. Two quick and easy ones. A person who controls or influences others in a clever way. It also had or unscrupulous. Second definition, a person who handles or controls something skillfully. Okay, I don't think Lincoln Riley or Pete Carroll are unscrupulous. So both descriptions in the dictionary sound like what you want in a coach. If you can get your players to believe that they can fly, look, they might not achieve flight, <laughs> but they're going to try and do everything in their power to try. You know, whether it means, hey, coach, look, I flew for, you know, a second, <laughs> whatever. Um, if you can get your team to accept that there are no limitations, then just keep manipulating and, until they get they reach that goal, whatever it is. I mean, that's what you want from your coach. You want them to develop the players and get, make them, you know, better so they can move on in their career. But you got to play with their minds, and you can do that positively. Just whatever it takes to get the job done, without going to unscrupulous ways. So now, if we can just get him to uh, to play his Jedi mind games with the defensive side of the ball. Um, maybe, just maybe, USC will uh, keep reaching for those limitations that are, aren't there. Year two, playoffs. <clears throat> so, all right. Maybe we could even bet on it. Let's see if there's a prop bet over on FanDuel. Right now, though, it is the midway point of the NBA season. And it's here. So now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because if you're a new customer, check this out. You're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, okay? That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So <laughs> just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores. Who made the most three points, three-pointers? 
If you like prop bets, FanDuel is a place for you. And with FanDuel, it even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com forward slash locked on. That's fanduel.com forward slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. There you have it. I have to say thanks again for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. I want to make sure you're checking out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from the big name experts, insiders, coaches, and the players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. So if you're watching this on Thursday, I know you are, because you make Locked on USC your first listen every day. That means, one, two, three, we are three days away from spring camp. And we're also up to number three on the most intriguing stories going into spring camp. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we're going to jump right into it here, right into the pile, which makes sense because uh, if we're going to start with the WRSC number three intrigue story. Defensive tackle, nose tackle, Kion Bars. He's going to be right in the middle of the pile. Uh, he was the number, he was the third most intriguing story of spring camp. Now, if you remember, Kion Bars was number five on my list, so I was in the ballpark with the rest of the game. And I said, when I did my breakdown, that Bars should be the starter by the time spring camp is over. Now, in 2021, he was second team all-conference, even though he wasn't selected to any team in 2022. Eric McKinney points out, because he compiled the WeRSC intrigue list, that Kion's PFF grades, uh, I believe that's pro football focus, shows a little cause for concern when it comes to his uh, performance in 2022. Uh, Bars earned a 57.7 grade in overall defense, which would have placed him number 25 among USC defenders. His run defense of 61.9 uh, would have been good for number 18 on the Trojans, and his pass rush grade of 57.3 would have been number 23. His tackle grade of 59.1 would have been number 13. Yikes. So, now interestingly, his grades, um, they mostly actually fall short of those that were posted by last year. Um, the guy who 
he's probably going to be competing with, Stanley Taufo, who was slightly better, 60.7 to 57.7 on run defense, 68 to 61, and tackling um, 63 to 59. Bars was slightly better pass rush, 57 to 55. Now, had Bars uh, used his 2021 numbers, he would have finished number seven in defense, number eight in run defense, and number 11 in tackling, number five in pass rush on USC this year. So now I guess everyone understands why uh, Bars was so high up on the entry board. There's no more Brandon Peely. Uh, obviously, Stanley did the best he could at you know his size. He wasn't brought in to play over the ball. He was a linebacker. So uh, without Brandon Peely and you have Stanley Taofo returning, you need Kion to step up. I have a feeling we're not done with the transfer portal. I still think Kion's going to be the starter coming out of spring camp. So I hope I'm not leaving everybody with a negative taste in their mouth. But, you know, Eric likes to, when he does his research, he's all about numbers. I try and look at things from a different perspective. And, uh, you know, does Kion, I think with his experience, his size, six foot four, over 300 pounds, he fits the position and will allow the other players around that, around him maybe to perform higher level. So who's my number three guy? Well, Anthony Lucas. I just talked about him the other day. Um, ironically, he was number five on We Are C's list. So the bottom line is this. The defensive line is high up on everybody's intrigue list this spring. And it should be. So can Anthony Lucas, which I'm going to repeat myself, is he going to be able to live up to the hype? Tuli Tuiapoloti right now, he's doing combine interviews. Uh, the NFL combine starts March 2nd. That's today, by the way, if you're watching this, on Thursday. And um, he's basically explaining to everybody how he was able to lead the country with 13 and a half sacks by playing on the edge. But he also played inside at USC. And I have a feeling that's how uh, Anthony Lucas is going to be used to. That's going to be his role. Because he's big enough and he's versatile enough to play inside or outside. You know, he can, I, I think he can play stand-up. He can put his hand in the dirt at defensive end. Uh, he's got, you know, he's got great length. He's six four and a half. Uh, he can bend. And he's got a seven-foot wingspan from, you know, middle finger to middle finger. That doesn't hurt. So when you add all that up to go along with his size, six, four and a half, um, he's got to be at least 300 pounds because he came into college at 290. So I think that's going to happen just naturally. He's going to pick up 10 pounds uh, growing up. So are they going to keep him at that weight though? Or do they want him, you know, below three bills? I don't know. Gonna find out. I want to see how he practices and inter interacts with his teammates, albeit in the limited time available to the media. That's something I'm going to keep have my eye on. 
you know, what, what size is he? Is he, does he look like he's over 300? Are they trying to trim him down? I guess I don't know the complete answer to those questions until uh, after spring camp and, you know, in summer as we approach fall. But uh, there it is. The two guys who came in at number three on the intrigue list for spring camp. Okay, so here we go. I was uh, looking around, and I saw a store on CBS Sports, and I thought it was interesting because they're starting to project um, who should be USC's permanent rivals when they start big conference play, Big Ten conference play, Big 16 conference play. Let's just call it the big conference. CBS Sports um, college football analyst Tom Fernelli he picked the three six six scheduling model for the nine game schedule, and that's going that way it'll ensure that all sixteen programs play one another um, on a regular basis. USC already plays a nine game conference schedule with Pac twelve, so this is nothing new to them. <clears throat> yeah, the three represents every school's permanent right. Um, that they would play every season while the other six opponents are going to rotate in each year, every other year. Uh, Fornelli, his permanent rivals, his projections uh, for the Trojans were UCLA, uh, Michigan State, and Northwestern. And the reason he chose Michigan State rivalry was he wants to see a Trojan horse, I guess, uh, trophy. Interesting. Not a bad idea, actually. Uh, and then he also explained his thinking for not making um, one of the bigger Big Ten programs like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, a permanent UAE rival every year. Um, and it makes sense. You can go over to CBS Sports and read the story. It's, it's, a, it's a fun little read. It won't take you very long when you're done with Locked On USC, of course. So are those too easy? Those three, uh, you, you have to assume that USC is going to continue to play Notre Dame every year. And uh, knowing that the Big Ten, um, I'm sure USC schedule is going to rotate Ohio State and Michigan every other year. So they're going to make sure the Trojans are going to play one of them every season, but not both. So think about that. Notre Dame, Michigan, or Ohio State and whoever else USC has on there, you know, out of conference. I'm, I'm really looking forward to these uh, future schedules. So who should be on um, USC's permanent? Like I said, I'm going with Michigan State. I, I like that Trojan horse idea. Um, UCLA, duh, like I said. Um, and because... USC goes to Notre Dame every other year. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to nix that Northwestern um, trip. Going to Chicago. I know I'm going to be in Chicago every other year with Notre Dame. Let's see how we can figure that out where I'm not going to Chicago twice in the same season. It's going to happen. I'm going to try and limit that, though. So um, I would prefer Nebraska. Give me a shorter road trip. Wouldn't hurt. 
and now, like I said, add in an Ohio State or a Michigan every year to that, plus those others rotating in. Yeah, I'm good. So, you know, what are your thoughts, guys? Everyone, men, ladies, what are your thoughts? Who would you like to see as USC's three permanents if they go with a 366 model? Because I think that's a kind of a cool model. It's probably the way they're going to go. Uh, I gave you mine. I would start UCLA, Michigan, Nebraska, UCLA, Michigan State, Nebraska. And then um, again, that's the Nebraska. Yeah, it's still, you know, right in the heartland of, of America, but at least you're not flying to Ohio or up to Michigan or further to Wisconsin, New Jersey, Maryland. There's going to be some long road trips in there, but I'm looking forward to them. Okay, give me your thoughts. Again, who would you like to see as USC's three permanent? And obviously UCLA is going to be a given. All right, before we get out of here, don't forget USC takes on Arizona tonight at Galen, 8 p.m. They win that game. Arizona, by the way, comes in ranked number 10 in the country. If USC beats Arizona, and I believe that should be enough, but they'll, if they also beat ASU Saturday, they're going to have the number two seed heading into Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. And that means they wouldn't have to play UCLA if everything, if, if the cards play themselves out, USC, UCLA, in the championship game. Yeah. Let's make that happen. Please. All right. Once again, thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. It means a whole lot to me. Make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball. We're getting into March Madness. You're going to want to check it out. You're going to get all the all that good stuff from big name experts, insiders, coaches, players, you know it. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right. It's another episode in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I'll be back with another one. It's going to be, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll be coming, it'll be, depends when I can get to it. But uh, like I said, USC basketball tomorrow night versus Arizona. I'll be at Galen. Until then.